0: Hey everybody, this is Justin Michael Williams with Motivation for Black People, giving you trusted guidance to make your life better. And you see the episode title. We are talking about therapy. We're getting rid of some of the myths and talking about some of the facts about how to start, how to look for a therapist, especially for black people and LGBTQ plus people and like all the people in our community that... We know we want to start therapy. We know we want to heal. We know we want to grow, but sometimes are afraid or don't know how to find the right person or don't know even where to start looking or what therapy would even be beneficial for. So whether or not you're somebody who's done therapy before or somebody who's just getting started or interested in getting started, this episode is going to be great for you. And I have on the line with me. The one and only Jamal Crone. Jamal, say what's up. Hello, everybody. Yeah, so Jamal yes. owns a therapy practice in Washington, D.C. And D.C., I know there's going to be some D.C. people listening right now. And uh, this therapy practice opens specifically as a resource for people of color and the LGBTQ community Um, and Jamal is going to demystify a bunch of stuff for us today and also give you some practical tips that you can use, whether or not you even find a therapist, stuff that you can use to make an impact and a change in your life related to the anxiety and stress that we all feel in our daily life. So Jamal, thank you so much for being here, brother.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me, Justin.
0: Okay. So Jamal. I, when I met you, I was blown away by the inspiration around you starting a therapy practice in a community like D.C. for the population of people like us, right? And I just want to know a little bit about why you started this practice in particular and targeted towards the communities that, that you wanted to.
1: Well, you know, it, it's a great story because it really had to do with my own um, desire to go to therapy. And the reasons that kept me away from seeing a therapist. One, uh, there were not a lot of people of color that I felt or that I could find that were operating in the space of providing services. And there was this kind of swirling myth around therapy that if you go and see a therapist, that you're going to be deemed crazy, that that label is going to follow you your whole life. And then, to be honest, there were no black people. Right. That we're doing therapy. And when I decided to open my practice, we specifically wanted to create a space that was going to be, um, where people could, could come in and connect with the therapist, feel cared for, and that they would leave with this sense of compassion that they were not crazy because we were having some symptoms of depression or we were feeling anxiety at times. Um, and that there was not a going to be a label that was going to stigmatize them even further as people of color or and as people as the of lgbtq identifying markers
0: right right and i you know i think this is super important because i know for most of us i'll say probably all of us but most of us growing up like it's black people especially like i i didn't know anybody in my family who was going to therapy it was like if you were if you were going to therapy you was like, it was almost like you had to be like locked up in a padded room. You know what I mean? Like, that it was the equivalent.
1: And that continues to be a myth for LGBTQ people and specifically for black people. You know, I see a therapist myself every two weeks and it never fails to, you know, kind of humor me when I tell my mom, oh, yeah, I'm going to a therapist. And she's like, well, what's wrong with you? And I'll say, well, there's nothing wrong with me. I just need to talk to somebody sometimes. Right. Um, And, you know, I've even suggested therapy to people in my family and their response is always, I'm not crazy. So that's an important thing to understand that therapy is not about being crazy. It's not about being labeled as anything. It really is a place where you can, um, an, an environment where you can really be yourself. Yeah and express some of the the things that really we have a hard time expressing to other people in our lives because we don't want to be seen as crazy. We don't want to be seen as imperfect. And that was the whole point of opening my practice in the heart
0: of kind of the LGBTQ center of D.C. That's amazing. And I think, well, here, I'll ask you, like, what are some of the reasons then? If it's not because you're crazy, right, what are some of the reasons that, somebody might want to consider going to therapy?
1: We all have a, you know, kind of a, a, a space for uh, how we can show up the best in our life. And with family, job, friends, sometimes we just do not create the space for ourselves yeah. to understand what's happening in our life. And so I may feel on some days sadder than others. Yeah, I may feel more stress and anxiety on some days, uh, more than other days, and so to have a space where I can really just pour out what's happening in my life has nothing to do with being crazy. It is me kind of taking care of myself and emptying right the 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 space in my life to give to myself that which I've given to all these other different components of my of my day to day.
0: Yeah, and okay, so some people i know one of so i'll i'm just going to let this be known y'all i have been in and out of therapy mostly in therapy since i was 19 years old i'm 31 now i go every week right now i've been going every week this whole year um and i'm a huge proponent of it and i think that Um, One of the the myths that's kind of out there in the personal growth and like self-help world is like everybody's, you know, retweeting and reposting and regramming or whatever all these motivational memes and like think positive and listening to podcasts and like, you know, get your mind right and all this kind of stuff. But in from my perspective. And for most of the people that I know that are really growing and seeing change in their life, the positive mindset, personal growth aspect, this like all the love and light, that's only one aspect of your growth. Like the second half of how I've become who I've become is actually the deep inner work that I've been able to do in therapy. And so I'm leading that to say is like, one of the things that I remember thinking early on was, "Well, why do I need to go to therapy? like I can talk to my grandma or I could talk to somebody at church, or I could talk to my mom or I talk to my sister and like somebody older and wise, like what's the difference between talking to somebody you know and love or trust versus talking to a therapist?
1: The big difference is that you, your therapist is there to be objective they're they're not there to give their opinion mm-hmm. about what it is that you are going through, so You know, if I say to my mom, you know, I'm really stressed today. And she says, well, you know, the Lord will make a way, (laughs) right? That's amazing. And I do think he will. And I need someone to help me kind of parse through what those stresses are or what that sadness is about. And so when you, when you talk to people that you, that, you know, it's great. I think we need that in our life. But When you talk to a therapist, their job is to really pull out of you the answers that you already have hiding in there, Mm. really, that that don't come to the surface uh, and can't come to the surface when you're talking to grandma, mom, brother, sister,
0: friend. Yeah. No, one of the things, Jamal, that I found super valuable that I wasn't even expecting and have really come to understand about a good therapist, as you said this, like, they're really there to ask you the right questions. Right. Like, less to give you advice, sometimes they do, but more to ask you the right questions. And what I've found is like a therapist is somebody who's trained to be able to ask you the questions that you need to ask to get to the answers that you need, because the real change only comes when you really discover the answers inside of you, not having somebody just tell you like, oh, here's what you should do, or here's here's how you should feel, or here's how you should think. And like talking also to siblings or grandparents or older people, like sometimes you don't even realize it, but like... (laughs) Sometimes the reason you're in the position you're in oftentimes has to do with the same people you're trying to get advice from. <laughs> yes,? <Right>? Absolutely. <laughs> so.
1: Absolutely. And you know one of the things I, I say to my clients is that we have aI don't know quota in my office. because the truth is that we do know. We are afraid to release that to kind of allow what we know about ourselves, what we know that we need, We're afraid to release that in the context of our work, our our family relationships, our our romantic relationships. And so whenever I ask a question and a client says, I don't know, my my response is you do know. Mm -hmm. And this is the space where you can say that without any judgment. You can you can work through what that feels like to say, I don't want to be around, you know, this person, but I sometimes feel obligated. Or I don't want to participate in this particular activity, but I sometimes feel like if I don't, then I'll be judged for it. So we do know what we are coming in to the therapy, the therapy room for and with. And we know the answers that we that we actually need in our life. Sometimes it just takes someone to help you kind of fish them out. Mm.
0: And that's my job. Mm. This is good. Yeah, I love that because it's like we almost need permission sometimes to yes. to say what we really know and feel because yep. when we're talking to people we know it's there's implications to that sometimes to our yep. like real honesty, you know, of like, I don't want to be like in this I, I remember one of my friends who was engaged, you know, and like everybody's celebrating their engagement, like whatever. And like she didn't want to be engaged anymore. But she did she felt like she couldn't tell anyone That she didn't want to be in this relationship anymore because even if she questioned it and she decided she was going to go back, then what were people going to say? And then like, you know, this, that, and the other. And so I remember once she ended up getting out of the relationship and her telling me, I was like, why didn't you tell me? Like, I'm the most open person you could be. She was like, well, it just, you know, all these reasons. And then she told me that it was her therapist that she felt the safest that she could be with because her therapist didn't know her boyfriend, you know, all that kind of stuff. So super important. Yeah. So go ahead. Well, I was going to say that that
1: is, that's what really defines the therapeutic relationship. And I'll get into what a therapeutic relationship is, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, whenever I meet a client for the first time, um, you know, we go through the, the ordinary spiel of the legality, but I tell them before they leave the room that the thing that you need to consider is that this while it is a service is predominantly a relationship because that is what allows you to move through some of these stressors in your life. Some of the, the feelings that you have, the thoughts that you can't understand is the relationship that we develop. And that's why our, you know, our practice is really about connecting with people and showing them um, that it is okay to feel how you feel, and it is okay to even allow yourself to expand what you're thinking, right? Without mm. judging yourself and the relationship that you create with a therapist has to be a really close relationship. Yeah. That is also the thing that is the most scary for people. So that it was another myth is that if I go in there and I open up, you know, Pandora's box, right? This person may not be able to handle all of it. Mm. And and as a therapist, we are trained and we're continually getting trained to deal with these things that are scary for you. Yeah. They're not necessarily scary for us because our job is to really journey with you into finding resolution in all of the spaces that you bring into that therapeutic relationship in that office with us.
0: Wow. No. And, and that's so healing and help. it's like such an important relationship because we don't want all of our friendships to be this place where we're dumping all of our problems yeah. onto people all the time, or we feel like we're being a burden. But um, what I've always found amazing is, like, some of my darkest, deepest secrets or things, shame that I've had in my life that I've, like, little things that I've, like, never spoken about or never yeah. said or... Um, like I can say to my therapist and it's always funny cuz I'll be in the therapy office like oh my god should I say this she's going to judge like I'm thinking they're going to judge me but she already knows that I'm thinking that you know yeah. what I mean and knows how yes. to how <laughs> to like work with that and then I could say oh I'm afraid to say this because I think you're going to judge me and because she's mm-hmm. professional she knows how to not make that about her mm-hmm. you know so anyway it's just ah I just I really believe that every single person like especially black people, to be honest, because we've gone through so much intergenerational trauma that has never been healed, that's been passed down and passed down to us. I think we all, like, if I was in charge of, like, reparations, one of the things I would be giving to every black person, among many other things in the United States, was everybody would get a therapist, and it would be a bomb-ass therapist, and you wouldn't have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it's, it's important. Yeah. And I think a, a lot of times, you know, we don't even know that therapy... Um, is a part of a lot of what's happening around us in the first place. So you think therapists and and people automatically, especially, you know, people of color that I work with think expensive, I can't afford it. And the truth is, you know, is that if you have any type of insurance, therapy and mental health coverage is a part of that insurance. And I know there are still some disparities in that way, but most of my clients come in, you know, thinking that the reason I don't want to start this process is because I don't know ten sessions down the line if I'm going to be able to afford it. And a good therapist is working as a part of a business, but is also willing to work with you in through through some of these difficulties. Right. And so therapy is not just all about mental health. It's also practical in some ways because guess what? If you're stressed because you spent your money in some space that you didn't need to spend it, or you utilize your resources in some other space versus a, a, a primary part of your life or a primary space, that's a mental health issue. Yeah. Because your stress now bleeds into all of these other areas of your life. So the way you think about that bleeds in the way you interact with the world and the people around you bleed into, um, right. That stress bleeds into other pieces and response, uh, relationships of of your life and so it becomes a mental health issue and when we try to stuff it down right
0: we all know what happens
1: we all know what happens right and part of what happens is we 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 become more guarded we become more disconnected it's harder for us to even share some of the small things right because we are we are working in in the differences of shame and guilt
0: yeah Ooh, which is something we could just dive deep into. We could
1: dive into this. Oh my god! Yeah. Yes. So,
0: well, for people who are who are listening right now, shame and guilt. Talk about that for a second, like to help people understand what what those mean.
1: I ask my clients. It's probably second session. You know, tell me what the difference between shame and guilt are, and they usually roll their eyes, look up in the sky, and they go, "They're the same thing." Mm. And I love it, because 90% of the time, I know that that's what they want to say. Well, the the basic difference is that guilt is, I did something bad, and shame is, I am something bad, Ooh, okay. based on what I did or didn't do at some points. And so it is very hard for us to differentiate those two things um, in our livelihood. So it's not that I am necessarily feeling depressed or sad or angry or anxious about the fact that I spent my money at the store on the shoes that I didn't need, it is that I have internalized that bad decision to me being a bad person because I made that decision.
0: Right. So it's saying like, I am an, ear. Ir- oh, I'm so irresponsible or I'm so yes. this, I'm so that. Yeah. And yes. that's just like, that's like the basic like surface level shame about buying stuff at the store. Like, let us get into the stuff we do in our relationships. And the stuff in our
1: here. relationships. Yes. Woo! Yeah. And and even the things that we know that we think that we think we shouldn't think. Oh, that's deep. Yes. And so we carry a tremendous amount of shame around just without even knowing it. And I, I do say this to black people all the time, is that there are shackles on your feet that you don't even know you have, you just feel the weight of. Mm. And what you are what you are enlisting from me when you come into uh, my office and work with me is to help you get unshackled because you actually have the key. You just don't
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. That is so real. Oh, this is so real. Y'all you have to you guys have to understand. I I believe this is so important. And anybody who's been listening to this podcast knows how important I believe this stuff is. But Jamal, what I want to um, before we get into your tips. So Jamal prepared for everybody listening around um, wherever you are in the world. If you can't work with Jamal, if you can't find a therapist, he prepared three tips um, that you can use to take away in your own life to see an impact now but before we get into those tips Jamal for people who want to look for a therapist in wherever they are right where do they go how do they look can people work with you remotely like I'm just curious of people who are like okay i'm I'm gonna go look what what the hell do I do what are the steps they should take
1: so the biggest platform for therapists is psychology today okay uh, And you do have to know this, is that 90% of this field is served by Caucasian people. So it is difficult to find a person of color if you're specifically looking for a person of color. Now, I really do think that not every person of color needs another person of color therapist, but there is something to uh, being able to resonate on a very cultural level with your therapist in some ways or having your therapist be able to understand the nuances of culture. Mm -hmm. And so psychology today, you can look, you can't look for black therapist. Um, and unfortunately you can kind of look for what it is that you think you need. Um, they don't, they won't sort it by color. And the other space is that, well, that's the biggest space actually. You can also Google kind of black gay therapists. I know that a lot of my clients tell me that they they just Google black gay therapists in DC or their area and it will come up. There are therapists who do, who are licensed in certain States. And so this is why it gets a little tricky is if I'm in DC, I technically can't work with someone in California because I don't have a license in California. Mm. So there are therapists who, uh, who work with, who have licenses in other states that are able to work with people through, you know, telehealth, which is a video chat.
0: Got it. Okay, cool. So, and and one of the things that you mentioned that I really want to make sure that everybody knows um, is with every therapist that I've ever worked with ever, and I've worked with many of them, Jamal had mentioned that like most of them are willing to work with you on pricing if they can. And I always like, always negotiate with them <laughs> and not like yeah. to try to haggle them down, but just to be realistic. I'm like, okay, I want to come every week. And if for me to do that, this is what I can afford. And if they're yeah. like, okay, I can't do that, but I can do this. And I'll say, okay, well, I'll come every other week, you know, and they'll usually meet you in the middle. Do you, you, find that to be the case, right? Jamal.
1: That is completely the case. Yeah. I have rarely met with a colleague who is very hardline on that. Yeah. I mean, we are in a, in a space of, wanting to serve people for a very specific reason and wanting to journey with people for a very specific reason. And we want to create as few barriers as possible for that to happen. Yeah.
0: We still got to get paid now. Oh, I understand. Look, (laughs) it's a job. I'm not saying you're going to do it for free. This is not community service. Right. right? But um, but you can I just want people to know that you can tell like talk to them about you're, you don't have to try to put up this front like you have it all together and you have all this money and you have whatever you want to be honest.
1: That That's completely true because as I mentioned before, this is a journey and you want to start it off just being honest. I If you can't afford this price, but you can afford this price, you know, speak with you, the therapist that you're working with uh, about that. And we do have space. I mean, it's part of our kind of ethical code to consider all of the, the barriers that that really keep people from um, from from using utilizing therapy as a tool in their life yeah. and every therapist I know will will consider right where they can bend and where they can be more flexible around pricing
0: that's good and so one last question I'll ask you about this is um should people wait to go to therapy until they got some big issue happening in their life or should they go just when life is kind of normal everything's kind of cool like what When should they go?
1: My clinical personal belief is you should go to therapy when things seem calm. I agree. And the reason I say that is because, right, the big blow ups that we have in life, they're just the kind of culmination of the things that you haven't been paying attention to in the everyday. So if you can go and start to parse through what's happening in your life. A therapist will be able to pick out and ask you some questions that you may not even have answered for yourself. I'll give you a great example of this is I, in my first or second sessions, usually start with asking people to, you know, can you you tell me what your top five kind of values are in life? And the amount of blank stares that I get is always intriguing to me because it's not something that we think about.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And I always explain to people, well, you know, understanding what your values are, even though they are fluid, is like using a compass to navigate right, the world or your life. If you have no compass, I understand the feeling of being confused of why these things are happening Mm -hmm. in your life. And so really, you have to you have to kind of build that compass out and pay attention to that. And even people who come who just say, I just want some preventative care. I ask them a values question and right, we haven't really asked those questions of ourselves. And so when we have some big blow up in our life, some big event and we haven't established even a, a core value system, yeah, we don't necessarily know how to navigate it. Yeah. And so going to therapy when, when, when the, when it seems calm in your life is probably what I recommend most people I go, again, every two weeks. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of it. And, you know, sometimes I'm in, in my therapy sessions talking about my feelings about clients. Right. And it's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, No, I understand. And I, I agree with that 100%. I think what I found is that uh, going to therapy regularly has helped me avoid all these big blowups. And sometimes yeah. big blowups happen. But, yeah. like, it's almost like you catch the fire before it bl- burns up the exactly. whole house. You know? Yeah. And exactly. so when you think everything is is good, you don't just want to wait and go to therapy like a, a fix-it problem every time you have an issue and go off and on. So anyway, these are great. Now, Jamal, I want to get into your three tips because I know you spent some time preparing these and I know they're really good for people. So I'm going to let you take the floor with the first one.
1: All right. So in talking about specifically stress and anxiety and the way we kind of function in the world where we literally go to sleep with what we have to do tomorrow on our mind and we we wake up with what we have to do today and tomorrow on our mind, I think it's important, and it has been extremely important for me for a long time now, to create a morning mindset. And what do I mean by that? A morning mindset is you know, really kind of taking time to focus on how do I want to show up today and how do I theoretically want to handle any problem that comes up? And there's no specific rubric for this. But you know, one of the things I ask myself is, is again, how am I going to keep my value set in the forefront of my mind, mm. right? Especially, especially when I look at my calendar and I may see a very challenging day yeah. ahead of me. You know, how can I, what do I need to do to kind of just live in a bit of compassion today? Or what do I need to do to live in a bit of kindness and caring today? And to create that space every morning or more mornings than not. So that's my tip number one. Create a morning mindset and allow yourself to really keep that at the forefront of your mind each day. And you'll under, you'll be able to see how de-stressing it is during the day. Because this is not about your task. This is about how you want to show up in the midst of your task.
0: Mm, it's not about what you're doing, but like who you're being. Yes, you're going exactly. It. that's amazing. Exactly. And for people who are interested in diving deeper on this, we actually, one of the, our most listened to episodes on this podcast is called um, The Perfect Morning Ritual or How to Create a mm-hmm. Perfect Morning Ritual. And yeah. it's essential. And so in that episode, we go through like tons of different tips on like little things that you can do like a buffet almost and take what you like, leave what you don't have ideas that you can use to create that morning mindset that Jamal is talking about because it is essential to your yeah. mental health. Totally. Yes. Awesome. All right. What's number two?
1: So number two is in the midst of a day to take time out. I often work with clients who feel like they are just going, you know, a hundred miles a minute doing everything. And they think that taking 15 minutes out of your day to sit and be is impossible. And I'll, uh, you know, I'll provide this example. I had a client who came in who really wanted to take a day off of work. He had not missed a day out of of work for two years. And I said, well, just call out sick. It's a mental health day. And we talked about this for two weeks before he did it. And the fact that he actually took the time out, I mean, he came back and he was like, I'm not going to call out sick often, but I, I understand the point of making space in the middle of my day, in the middle of my week to just be about me. And, you know, we, you know, some therapists will tell you to do a a pleasurable activity in that space. I'm not concerned with what necessarily you do unless it, 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 you know, unless it's unhealthy in some way, it's going to create more problems. But to create the space in your life um, to fit in yourself versus, again, your task, the relationships, uh, you know, your job. Uh, All the things that you have to pick up from the store before you get home. So create space. And it can be 10 minutes and 15 minutes. You know, I'll tell myself a little bit. How do I create space in my day? Yeah, tell me. I take 20 minute naps between my clients.
0: That's amazing.
1: Uh, (laughs) And there are times where I'm like, I got five more minutes. I'm going to try to fall asleep for five more minutes. I just clear my mind and I legit will lay lay down on my own couch in my own therapy room.
0: And take a nap. I wish I could fall asleep that quick. Oh, my God. I'm jealous of you people who could just fall asleep on command. It takes me so long to fall asleep. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. Part of
1: that that bleeds into the next tip I have for people, Mm -hmm. which is to really pay attention to your sleep hygiene. And I hate saying that in such a formal way. But, you know, sleep is really just so important when it comes to mental health. Yeah. Um, we do not give ourselves enough time to sleep and, you know, we think, well, you know, if I sleep nine hours a day, that's me being lazy. Or if I take a day to just sleep that I'm being lazy, sleep is probably one of the most important aspects of the work that I, I promote with my clients, because if you're not sleeping, right, you don't have the energy and therefore it's hard for you to even get to a space where you can sometimes control your behavior. Right. So lack of sleep is connected to anxiety, stress, irritability, anger, all of these different
0: emotions that we feel. And we don't necessarily always pay attention to it. Yeah, this is I mean, now this is this is another big one. You're speaking my language, Jamal, here right now, because this is like the most important stuff in my life, because. All right. So about a year and a half ago. So I used to be a person always. I'm talking from like high school who like funk. at least I was functioning well off of like four to five, maybe six hours of sleep since I was like 15, you know? And I got straight A's in school, this, that. I was like, okay, cool. This is, I'm like, I was like bragging about it. Like I don't need a lot of sleep. I can go, you know what I mean? And then I read this book called Why Sleep by uh, Matt Walker, I think his name is. Let me see. It's Why Sleep, yeah, by Matt Walker. And um, I read about like, okay, first of all, all the studies every study they've ever done on anybody ever show that people who don't sleep 7 to 8 hours a night are less productive, less creative, yes. less efficient. They overreact to situations, their emotional imbalance is is a hot mess. Yes. But they don't know the difference because they're not sleeping. So you don't you can't feel the difference. You don't even know who you could be until you get enough sleep and start to catch up on it. And that was super fascinating to me. So I said, okay, let me try this sleep thing, right? Like, let me just see what happens. So I committed. (laughs) I said, for one month, I'm going to make sure that I'm at least in the bed with not using my phone for seven to eight hours every night, no matter what. And, yo, my life changed, I mean, dramatically. I used to drink coffee every single day. I haven't had caffeine in over a year. And it wasn't because I, like, tried to give up coffee. It was because Mm -hmm. I didn't need it anymore. Like, and I've been drinking coffee since I was like 16, you know, I got more creative. I have so much natural energy now. My workouts got stronger. My body, I noticed my body was building muscle faster. So I was like, yo, I'm into this sleep thing. So since then, it's been like a year. I get seven to eight hours of sleep most nights unless I'm like going out being, you know, Having a good night, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Then I might sleep a little less. (laughs) Yes.
1: Well, you know, and it's the same for me. I everything that I would ever suggest to a client, I you try it on. I implement myself. It's not even trying it on. I just do it. Good. You know, um, my friends are very well aware that if you're going to get me to commit to going to something, if it's not going to be over by ten thirty, so I can be in the bed by eleven fifteen. (laughs) <laughs> i'm already going to say no and if i do go i will have my uber waiting at 10 30 so that i can be in the bed by eleven fifteen. that's great so that i get by seven hours of sleep it is just so important yeah. and we don't understand how much you know I, and i say this as the world but how much of our energy is pulled out just minute by minute yeah. and if we're not creating the space to really replenish we will go through life very cranky sometimes and very kind of just, you know, sometimes living on edge, maybe even sometimes confused about what's happening and why it's hard for us to deal with some of these stressors. And so sleep is the the number one thing. It is the probably one of the top five questions I ask at the very onset of a session with my clients.
0: Mm, so important. Okay. So yep. number one was create a morning mindset and people yes. can listen to more about how to do that in our, um, Perfect Morning Ritual podcast episode. You might have to scroll back to find that one. Um, Number two was make sure you create time in your day, in your week, in your life for yourself and not just uh, make your me time an afterthought in between all your other stuff. And then number three was to get some Zs. Get to sleep. Sleep more as much as you can. (laughs) Really is good. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So good.
1: So this is a little bit of a pitch that's not on there. Mm Mm-hmm. If you are interested, a tool that I give all of my clients is an emotions wheel. Okay. What is that? So an emotions wheel is actually a wheel full of emotions. And it, it starts with the primary emotions, you know, which are anger, uh, happy, fear, sad, and disgust. Okay. And the emotions wheel allows you, and this is something that you know, you can just look up there everywhere, allows you to more accurately identify how you're feeling in a particular day. Mm, I'm looking this up right now as you're talking, keep going. Yes. And so generally, when we are in the space of not taking care of ourselves, we haven't necessarily created that morning mindset, we haven't taken, you know, time out of the day, we, you know, haven't gotten a lot of sleep, we actually just feel that a lot of times as tired. And sometimes we are feeling overwhelmed. Sometimes we are feeling anxious. I've used that word a lot in this podcast. We're feeling anxious, but all of those feelings are tied to something, right? So anxiety is tied to fear, Yeah. right? Stress is tied to fear. Um, vulnerability, for example, tied to fear. And so a lot of times we just receive that as this like, oh, I'm angry right now or I am, you know, just anxious about something right now, or I just feel tired. Yeah. And so if you can really use the space and create space to identify what you're feeling more in a a more connected, a more specific way, um, you will actually find yourself. And that maybe is a tool or a, a tip for, you will find that you are able to really navigate, uh, the space in your own mind, right? These thoughts that we may
0: have, and and even what we do, in such a, a, a in, in more of a clear way. Yeah. Wow. This is so good. I'm looking at the emotions wheel right now. I just googled it. There's a whole bunch of them, and this is yes. fascinating to see the connection between all of them. You gotta, if you're listening right now, you gotta just click over to your Safari or Google or whatever you got, and just take a look at the emotions wheel because this is. It's amazing because it kind of gives us language to be able to pinpoint what yes. we're actually feeling instead of just like, I don't know, I'm just feeling a little tired today. It's like, yep. no, I'm actually feeling inadequate, <laughs> you know. Yes. Or, oh, my gosh. And that is a big one. Yeah. And that's
1: a whole another episode that I'd love to do one day is right our feelings of inadequacy and how that affects us in
0: terms of mental health it's it's well you're already invited back and we can talk all about that. (laughs) All right.
1: All right. We'll do a part (laughs) two. So tip four, get yourself an emotions wheel
0: and a therapist who can help you use it. Yes, amazing. And Jamal on that note, for people who are in the DC area who may want to work with you, how what's the best way for people to to get in touch? So the best way
1: would be to Google my name, Jamal Crone. And you can also put in gay black therapist in D.C. I happen to know that we are like the first to pop up.
0: <laughs> and I'll also <laughs> and... have Jamal's website, Crone um, Esquivel Group LLC, uh, listed in the description of this episode. So you can click on that as well if you want to go directly to his website.
1: Yes, you are. If you are a, an insurance person, um, you can contact your insurance. We are paneled with specific insurances. And so... Um, There's really a number of ways. The best way would be to really just type in my name and go to our website. We are uh, very responsive. We take on as many clients as we can. We have a really amazing team. And we love uh, really just connecting again with people, showing them what care looks like without judgment and really showing uh, them this level of compassion that they May not have felt or seen in the space of what's happening in their their personal life and in their internal
0: kind of realm
1: of of emotions and and mind.
0: Mm, This is so perfect, Jamal. We could just so we're definitely going to have a part two. I promise you, listening, Jamal will be back. We're going to talk all about inadequacy and more. Yes, um, Jamal. I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your your busy schedule to talk to us because uh, this is such an important topic and really essential to our healing. So thank you. And is there anything else you want to leave the people with before we sign off?
1: I would just love to encourage you all to really just move past fear as much as we can um, to get some time with a therapist to really take care of yourself your mental health, because that really becomes the space in which you, show up in the world and behave in the world and react in the world and the world being a situation at work, a situation with family, a situation on the bus. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you,
0: Jamal. Yeah. (laughs) All right, everybody. So for you listening, we're getting ready to sign off. But I just want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day out of your life to even just listening to this episode, being healing. And I encourage you right now, if you're not in therapy to just start looking at options in your community to just even take that step to start considering the options in your community, because I can attest with 100% confidence that it will and can make a huge difference in your life. And if you haven't done so already, I invite you to go to motivationforblackpeople.com, put in your name and email address, and you get our episodes delivered to your inbox every week. I never, ever send any spam. It's just these episodes delivered to you every single week, giving you trusted guidance by the top black experts in the world to help make your life better. I love you. I thank you. I honor you. This has been Justin Michael Williams and Jamal Crone, and I will talk to, you, talk to you in the next episode. Bye for now.